offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Hi, my name is Abby McPherson. Welcome to Sabbath School U. I'd like to introduce our wonderful guest today. We'll start with you. My name is Marcellus Ashley. I'm Andrea Keel. And I'm a John Davis. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for being here today. We're, to, we're going to discuss the great controversy and the early church. But first, let's pray. All right. Dear Grace and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to talk about your word, Lord, and to just discuss the early church, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the great controversy and the early church. What do you all think about that title alone? It's intense. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could be better. You know, when I first read the title, I just was kind of like, well, how does it really tie in? Mm -hmm. You know, that was that was my kind of, the early church, how does that fit? <laughs> I guess I, I was the opposite because I was thinking about all the stories of like Paul getting beat up and I don't know, crazy <laughs> stuff happening. It seemed like there's a lot of controversy. So the early church had a lot of issues, right? Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that we can bring out about like the early church? Because they were, they were something else back then. They had a lot of like preconceived notions and they were strict on what they believed. So the early church in itself, what can we take away from the early church to kind of like bring us into, to set the setting, the scene? For well, us? I mean, where did the early church start, I guess? Mm. What would be the, what would be like the, the birth? Judaism. <laughs> okay. It's, well, that's, I think that's important to keep in mind is that they're coming out of Judaism and they're starting to um, incorporate people that they would not have associated with mm -hmm. otherwise. Not only that, but like they've, they no longer have Christ physically with them. Mm -hmm. He's gone and now they just have the spirit mm -hmm. in his mm -hmm. place. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. And I think it's important that before any of the trying times come in all, any of the persecution, they had to go through Pentecost. They had to have the Holy Spirit fall upon them first to be empowered to go out and do the work of Christ. Um, because, you know, Christ, you know, he gave this, you know, commission and, and, and to go to the world and, and teach the nations. But before they could do any of that, they had to get prepared first. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's, that's really key is that before we can do the work of God, we have to be prepared. God has to prepare us in some fashion before we can do anything else. Yeah, when you look at the, the idea of the great controversy, it's almost like they're, they're preparing for battle. Like you can't just go out there and do it on your own. This is this, you know, little tiny movement and it, and Jesus gives them this huge vision of like, just go, you know, to the world <laughs> and conquer it. And you're like, well, um, uh, so even like in battle, as you're preparing for battle, as you're preparing for a huge vision, you're going to have to wait for something bigger than you. But even Jesus himself was a great controversy, right? Because a lot of people oh, yeah, kind of yeah. didn't even believe that he was, who are you to come and be born of a supposed Virgin Mary? And now you're saying that, you know, you're the Messiah. There was a great controversy in that to where it took them a very long time. And even until today, we're still struggling with believing who he says that he is and that he was and, you know, that he'll come back. So what about that particular early church to where Jesus, you know, is birthed onto the scene and he's growing up and now he's all of a sudden performing miracles and saying that he's the son of God mm. compared to everything that they had already been accustomed to doing for years. Mm -hmm. Well, I think... You know, the early church, um, they needed guidance. Mm -hmm. they, they, were, they were with Jesus all this time, but yet they didn't quite get it. They didn't quite get everything that he was trying to teach them. And so in order for them to, to understand, they had to come together and pray. They had to come together and really seek after 
after the Lord. And, and I think you see the foundational elements of what it means to be Christ-like in how the early church comes about. You know, we, they, they, they take time out, they carve time out, and they're, they're, they're in the upper room, and they're, you know, just praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And it makes me think about, you know, as Christians, you know, do we do the same thing? Do we seek that that experience that the disciples had that that Pentecost ex, Pentecostal experience? Uh, because it, I think it's so important. I mean, when you think about it, you know, can any one of us say that we've had an experience where the Holy Spirit has come into our lives and changed something? You know, I I, I know I can, but can anybody else? I think that we can. Well, when we look deep into our situations that we can see once we recognize it. But a lot of times we just fast forward past situations to focus on our issues more mm -hmm. than the things that we have overcome. Mm -hmm. well, I think that's definitely true. I think it's interesting too, um, the difference between knowledge and experience a little bit and how the disciples, a lot of those followers had had plenty of time to learn. They had the knowledge, but they had to, it, it was almost like it had to be activated by the Holy Spirit. They had to wait. And I, I think that's something I guess I've, I've been learning too. You know, a lot of us who have grown up in the church, we might have a, a lot of knowledge. Um, you know, a lot of things are in place, but we have to pray um, and seek the Spirit to, I guess, activate that in us. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like the fact that it says early church, kind of giving me an idea that the church has to continue to evolve. There's mm -hmm. early church, middle church, late church, old church, but there are different levels of church. It can't always be done the way that it's been done. So it gives us context to say, this is what was happening back then. And allowing us to come full circle to say, this is what is happening now. And to see the correlation and the changes and the differences. But I know sometimes um, when it comes to maybe like the older generation compared to the younger generations, we have completely different concepts of what church is. But then we can kind of butt heads with that, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. no, I think we can. And, but I think it's important to understand you know, as you said, church can change. Our concept of what church is changes. And it goes back to that whole idea that the church is the living body of Christ. So something that's living changes. It grows. And as a church, as 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 an early church, they were growing. They started off very small. And be, through the power of the Holy Spirit, they were able to grow. And even in that growing, they came up against challenges. You know, you look at when the... the uh, the Sadducees basically, you know, they brought him in and wanted to find out what, what is this going on? And, and, you know, because they didn't believe what they, what the disciples believed. They didn't believe that Jesus had died and rose again and was, and had come to save uh, everyone. And so, you know, as, as an early church, they, they came up upon a, upon a bunch of problems and a bunch of things that many of us may have just turned the other way and, and walked away. So, I mean, I, it makes me wonder what, what, did it take for them to stand firm in that? I, mean, I think it was really that, that Pentecost experience. Um, and to go back to like what you're saying about older generation versus younger generation, um, and then what you said about like, well, it's a body. Um, and it changes. It is, but also there's different parts of the body. And so like we, yeah, we often will look at, at the eye and be like, you ain't hearing nothing. <laughs> but like, it's not supposed to. You're supposed to, you're supposed to see stuff. Um, and that's okay. And what brought them together is the knowledge that they were a part of something, right? And that's what the, it's, it's funny because like they did not get it in the gospels. Like we see the disciples constantly not getting it. But when Christ leaves, they suddenly are like, oh wait, yo, he was the one that was doing all this stuff. 
we need him to do it. So they just got together and were like, it, was, it reminds me of Jacob, of like holding on, like, I'm not gonna let you go till you bless me. And like, mm -hmm. and them all getting together and being like, we're not leaving here until Jesus tells, he sends a helper, we need help. Mm -hmm. And then like, you see how quickly they start to just do stuff that they never did in the gospels. Yeah. I don't know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, once you see that, so it's, it wasn't just them experiencing and understanding it, but it was the fact that other people saw it too. Mm. Um, and like the memory text, um, which is in Acts 4.13, um, it, it demonstrates that pretty well. Um, Let's go it's, to it. Yeah, Acts chapter 4, Four. Uh, verse 13. 13. Um, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Mm. You know, I think that is just so awesome. It's, it's like the idea of, being someone who everyone looks at and thinks, oh, you don't know anything. Right. You don't know anything about. Who not know what he's you? talking about. Who, who are you? But he definitely then? just healed that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Or even they're just normal fishermen. They were uneducated people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like looking at someone who, you know, they're just obviously, they didn't go to school. Like, they're illiterate. And then all of a sudden they're just talking like a professor. Like, how did, they, how did they do that? It shows you the power of the Holy Spirit to take an untrained person, but then also their experiences. So how many times have we just been in the presence or around somebody who had a certain mm -hmm. skill or knowledge, and now we attain that same uh, knowledge and skill set from just being around them without a degree? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I found out how to, the, the YouTube, the presence of YouTube taught me how to unclog uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The garbage disposal. Mm -hmm. Being around YouTube has taught me a lot, but I don't have a degree. I'm not a, I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a, what do you call it, a plumber or anything like that. But being around or being exposed to different things um, that have value, you obtain that certain knowledge. So that's why we, there's like little odds and ends that we can do just by being exposed to certain situations. Yeah. And being around Jesus for three years, if you don't take on some of his mannerisms, I don't, I don't really know what, what you're you doing. What you were doing. Exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. So I like the, uh, the concept of church as a whole. So in the body, when we talk about churches and bodies, when we're all on one accord, we can achieve some other very powerful or some very horrible different things. Mm. So the church came together on a couple of different occasions and accomplished greatness, but they also accomplished some pretty serious things like, you know, uh, crucifying Christ, mm. uh, stoning Stephen, mm. a number of horrible different things that they all conjured up together as a church, as a body to say, we're going to do this. So I wanted to look at it from both sides to be like, as a body, when we are on one accord, we can achieve whatever we set out to do, be it good or bad. Mm. I guess it depends on also which church <laughs> that you're talking about. This is true. Um, if it's a church based on Jesus, then mm -hmm. it, it should probably look like Jesus. Um, obviously, there's times in our history or the history of the Christian church um, where we didn't look like Jesus or the church didn't look like Jesus. I think it was always preserved in, in some manner, and that's how you can tell, I guess, the, the true followers and the, the true church. Um, but it, it's interesting how you're right. Like, if if you don't know and you're not looking at that and you're just like, well, I'm a part of an organization, like that might not be where you want to go for sure. Yeah. Well, because I think it's more than just who you say you're following, but about how you're actually following, you know, the actions that, you know, as they say, actions speak louder than words. So, um, you know, when we look at the early church, they were action oriented. You know, the book is called Acts. <laughs> they were, they were doing something. 
you know, there, there, was, there were things happening. And so we see that evidence in the early church. But at the same time, you see the evidence of those who uh, didn't believe, who were trying just as hard against them. And it, it brings it back to the great battle in heaven where God, you know, where Satan is and the angels that he deceived are trying to fight against God, trying to take over. You know, it's this big battle that the, 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 the Sadducees are just, no, nah, we, we want them gone. And they're doing everything in their power because they see, what's, they see the potential and what Christianity will bring. And they see that they're going to lose their power. They're going to lose their status because of what it teaches. It teaches that men should be, you know, that you, you should be the least among men because, you know, if our, our Father in heaven is great. And, you know, so they're like, we've got to stop this. They were already trying to stop it with Jesus. And they thought when they killed him, when they crucified him, that it would end. And then when they went to Peter and John and, they, and basically they were trying to tell them, hey, well, just stop talking about it. Just go away. Go away quietly. No one has to get hurt. And then they didn't because they understood what the mission Christ had given them and that they were prepared at that point to die for what they believed in. And so then that's the great battle starts, the great controversy, so to speak, good, good against evil in a way that they're, that they're fighting back and forth in this. And, and it's just amazing because you see that even in the trials and the, the, the hardships, they still were able to prosper. God still remained with them every step of the way. I think that shows you the power of influence yeah. to where you can be influenced and you can be convinced to a point where your life doesn't matter. To where you can go so far to be like, I know what I believe. I'm going to continue to do what I've, what I've set out to do because of the experiences that I've had. I think, too, um, it just makes me think that whenever you see God moving in a, a powerful way, um, a lot of times you, you see that controversy. I mean, you can see it here. Obviously, there's persecution. There's also even um, a little bit later we'll talk about probably conflict in the church. Um, over a certain issue. I guess I'm just thinking, like, have you guys ever experienced that where you've seen God working in a really powerful way um, and then it's just, it's almost predictable. Like, there's, you know, Satan working just as hard to stop it. Ha have you guys ever had an experience like that? Put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, of, co of course. I mean, there's all, for, for me, there's always um, a counterfeit situation. So God will give me instructions to do something and that quick, the counterfeit is just there. Looking better, shinier, maybe more money. I had a situation to where I had to make a decision to either go to grad school or to get the job that I actually moved across the country for. Mm -hmm. It took them eight months to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I get into grad school, they call me like, hey, you can have the job now. And I'm just like, but now I have to go to grad school. Mm -hmm. So it's understanding that there are counterfeits out there and there are opportunities that are gonna look better and sometimes what God wants you to do will be a little bit, maybe not necessarily in the sense of the, like dimmer, in a mm -hmm. sense. It won't be as attractive, mm -hmm. but we go after things that we want. We, we want the most attractive and the flashy things, but you have to continue to pray to make sure that you're making the right decisions because the enemy is, is out to trap us. And what better way than self-gratification yeah. through counterfeit measures? Yeah, no, and I, I think that's, very key because the same persecution and problems that that the early church went through are similar things that we the church goes through now. I mean, you look at the world and you see there's still places where just by calling upon the name of Jesus, you 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 can be condemned to death. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know that it's just it, it's it's something that has not gone away. Persecution will not end until Christ comes back, and I think we have to lean upon the fact that we know that okay, well. 
even the early church had trouble. Even, you know, even those who walked with Jesus were persecuted. And so, you know, being able to understand, and, you know, we should be, you know, honored in a way that, right. you know what, I'm going through, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be persecuted for what I believe in, but man, even, even Peter and John were, <laughs> even Christ was. So how humbling and, and honoring at the same, same time is that to be able to, to say that you're part of that, that you're able to and still withstand and, and preach the word and, and teach and, and, and fulfill his mission that he's given us. Mm. What I love about um, just the idea of, of counterfeits, of, of like seeing God work in a strong way and seeing Satan work in a strong way um, is Paul. Because like you see, you see God working in a strong way through Stephen, right? And then you see Satan trying to use people to, to quell that and to kill him. Um, and Paul's a part of that. And then he starts to go hard, like S Satan is using Paul hard, but like all of the pieces are God's at the end of the day. Like there isn't really a counterfeit because it all belongs to God. And God's like, no, this is my piece. Mm -hmm. You can move it around for a while, but eventually I'm going to use it to write a third of the New Testament mm -hmm. and like preserve Christianity for 2,000 years. That's, that's intense to me. Yeah. I was, I was just trying to think of a verse, and I, I can't find it, but it's in First or Second Peter, where um, he says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that come upon you, um, because that's what's going to happen, basically. Like, when you're on a mission for, for Jesus, whatever it is, um, you can expect, like, you know, to go to a sports analogy again. Mm -hmm. If you're the one making the points, you're going to be the one double teamed. If you're just, you know, sitting on the sidelines, no one's going to care. Um, and I think it's the same, uh, for me personally, I spent a little bit of time in the mission field, and there were there was some pretty strong seasons of we were on a mission. We were all agreed, and this is what we wanted to do. And it was just every single part, um, from physical, you know, sickness to um, people disagreeing to you know just disunity. And and when you when you see it as just like ah oh, man, why does this have to happen? Like God, why are you allowing this? Because we're trying to do your work. You should just make everything go well for us. But when you realize like oh, that's why, like you shouldn't be surprised. That's what happens when you're on mission for Christ. So um, that's not the time to weaken your, your grip on Jesus or on each other. That's the time where you need to hold tighter um, to Jesus, to, to scripture and to each other. Uh, and I think that's what the early church did that kept them strong. I think when they started to let go of that. Um, but I think, in other words, I think that's part of the secret of uh, even though there's persecution or um, difficulties in the early church, um, they, they still became stronger, they grew, they multiplied even greater, I think because of that, because they mm. understood that that was what was expected. Mm. Um, and, and concept of the great controversy and the things that we go through in church in general, I think sometimes we are taken off track by these particular situations. But um, what do you think the real issue is? Why are we so distracted? Why can we be caught off track? Why is the controversy even like relevant? You know, if we're not, you know, what is the real issue? And then once we address the real issue, what can we do about it? Yeah. Why are we, yeah. <laughs> the real issue. I mean, there's, there's any number of ways you can answer that. The real, the real issue is sin. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that's, that, you get to the heart of the we're matter. Agreed. Sin. <laughs> yes. And we're on the same page at least. <laughs> yes. Good. Yeah. yeah. That, because of sin, we will always have this battle until Christ comes back. Mm -hmm. And so because of sin, there are going to be distractions. Satan's going to hang things in front of us that sound good, look good, smell good, sometimes even sound like they come from God, but they aren't. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, it's important that we're able to make that distinction. And then also when we, God tells us something that doesn't seem like we would, it would be something that would come from God. Like look at uh, um, Peter and his, and his vision about the, the, what's clean and unclean. I mean, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where he's like, I, I didn't eat, I've never eaten anything unclean. I'm, what are you talking about? And then he realizes, he, it hits him. You know what? I can't believe that all this time I've been focusing my efforts on just one group of people, but this is bigger than that. This is everyone. This is salvation for the Jew and Gentile. And I, I think it's important for us to be in tune with God, to be in tune with Christ so that we can understand that when he gives us a, a change in direction, that we know it's his change in direction, not Satan's change in direction and not something sent to distract us. So I guess that when we uh, uh, address the real issue, we'll be able to make some real change. Because yes. we won't be impartial to the individuals that we're going to interact with. And um, this this phrase keeps on coming up in my head about like bandwagon Christianity or bandwagon believing in faith and being able to convince a large crowd to do something just because you like your influence again. So um, that even, you know, that, that preps us like in the early church where they had to get change their mindset to be able to accept the Gentiles, understanding that if the real issue was sin, that everybody sins, regardless of who you are or where you're from, but this is what we're going to do about it, and you deserve the answer as much as we deserve the answer. Right. Or you're just as lost as we're lost. Yeah, and if you talk about the, the root of sin a lot of times, or maybe the biggest way it's manifested is selfishness, mm. and we have to be able to be willing to set ourselves aside, and I think that's what the early church had to struggle with, was like, but this was the way that I was taught my whole life, and right, yet, yeah. like, this is what God is changing? Like, can yeah. you do that? Or like, you know, um, but being willing to set yourself aside and, and your understanding of things to allow the spirit to change um, and, and include more. I mean, that was, that's the principle behind it was like, you know, all the, you know, all the better, e even more people get to come in on this. Mm. Well, I think something you said was key is that um, your, your, it's your understanding that's changing. It's not necessarily the rules, the game hasn't right. changed. We just understood it a certain way and got used to that understanding. And God's like, well, no, you, you can't see the whole picture. Like, you, that may be right from that perspective, but we're looking at a much wider, well, you've all said, like, mm -hmm. we're opening it up. It's much bigger than just your perspective. Yeah, we have to be able to, to understand that and not just be able to understand it, but handle that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine, and one of the things he said was, you know, I'd like to see, you know, I, I've told some people before, he said, can you, do you think you could handle seeing someone in heaven that you just thought they would not go because of, because they were already judging them in their minds that, oh, well, they're doing this or this, that they, they're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what the early church was doing initially is, well, the Gentiles, they're not going to make it. <laughs> it's not for them. Mm -hmm. And Peter had to struggle with, man, they're going to make it too. And we have to also think that as we go and minister to others that, look, we gotta be able to handle that. We'll, we'll see some people that we probably didn't think would make it, but as long as we've planted the seed and we've done what we needed to do, God, God handled the rest. He's the one that makes the ultimate decision and, and works in their heart. What do, you, what do you do if you're the Peter, though, in the church and you get it, but other people are kind of slower and they're not getting it? Have you guys, I don't know. Yes, anybody? that's, yeah, I feel... That, I feel like that a lot. I don't know that I'm like that, but I, I feel like that. A big thing is, oh, what we just talked about with this counterfeit situation. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like 
like Paul goes pretty hard to say that Christ created everything. Like he's, he's the purpose for everything. And I see him everywhere. Like I can look at anything and I can see him. And so it's so frustrating for me to look at something and someone to be like, that's Satan. And you're like, okay, well, that's what Satan is doing with it. But he's using Christ. Like Christ did that thing. And I can see Christ in it. And I can see Christ using it to help people. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, it's so frustrating because I don't know how to communicate that that's what I was gonna without ask. someone just being like, no, no, you're just trying to and worship. That's definitely that something that I was going to say. Another real issue is communication. We don't know how to communicate yes. our thoughts yeah, yeah, and experiences yeah. in a valuable way that's going to continue to respect all generations, mm-hmm. not just early or late, but our experiences and not being not being able to be used in a way that is beneficial because of what you believe and the things that you've always done. You know what it is? or The, the key to that type of communication is, again, coming together. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the body idea. It's the, I don't know how to talk to my mother, but you know how to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Like, you, for some reason, you can talk to people like my mother. So you, not literally, I'm just an example. <laughs> but like, like, that's what it is. It's like, I can't talk to this person, but you can. And so this is what I'm seeing. Can you help me formulate a way, like by coming together, we can pool our resources. And we see the church doing that and exploding exponentially because of it. At the same time, though, do you think there's room for, um, I guess, diversity? Or in other words, everyone's on a journey at a different place. You know, some person maybe has already gotten this and some person's like kind of getting there. And how do we communicate within that framework, I guess? Yeah, I think that's where... You know, number one, we, we look to our to leadership. You know, we look to Christ as our head first, and then you know we we know that we work together as a team. So there, there are going to be those who are stronger in their in their faith than others, and so you just have to know where you where your strong point is, where you fit in, because you may not be able to talk to that person about a situation. They're they're fresh in Christianity, they're going through a time, and you've never been through that situation, so you probably aren't the best person to sit there and have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But because we all have relationships with each other, we may know someone who could. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to a situation where um, I, I, was ta- I was talking with my wife about a, uh, a young person, and I just felt like, well, you know what, maybe we can find a mentor for that person. But I'm not the one who's going to be the mentor because I, just, I can't do it. But I talked to a friend, another friend and said, hey, what do you think about that? Because I knew that from his life experience, he might be a better fit. He may be someone that can bring that person around. So I think it's, it's the whole relationship, the body op, the concept that we all form relationships and we have to be able to, to work together to find out who's the best person for the job. I know a key takeaway for me is going to definitely be in practice of bridging the gap between all generations and being ready and available to talk about uh, the real triumphs and then also the real issues, being able to break through those barriers. Does anybody else have like a key takeaway they'd like to share? Just patience, to have um, patience with people and with everyone's journey and even just with the church and its journey. Yeah, I think that's good. And, and to your point about diversity, of, I think there's absolutely room for diversity of belief. Um, because, I mean, Paul will say that, like, one person's faith allows them to eat whatever they want. Another person's faith is such that they only eat vegetables. The one is, who doesn't eat is not supposed to look down on the one who, who does, and vice versa. Like, believe what you believe, but be together. Like, you guys can still communicate together. Yeah, and, you know, for me, it's more so just seeking the Holy Spirit in all things that I do. Mm. 
Well, I'd like to thank you all for joining us today. I think we had a great discussion and definitely can take home some practices to implement in our churches and our families as well to be better, be ready for this great controversy that's still upon us. I'd like to thank all of our viewers for joining us today. And if you'd like to know more or see other episodes, please visit us at sabbathschoolu.org. That's sabbathschool, the letter U, dot org. Thank you. Mm -hmm.